Mind the culture. Mind culture your culture. My culture. Culture, in culture and mind. This is the podcast for the culture. Hi and welcome to another Mind Culture podcast. This time we are over the internet with Daniel Hellman, aka Soya the Cow from Switzerland. He is a drag activist, a theater maker and performance maker. Very interesting artist. We're going to talk about the gender of a cow and how do you become drag queen and what does it take to have an influence as an artist. Please, if you like this conversation, do not forget to click like and subscribe. This is Mind Culture Podcast. Let's begin. You are the soya the cow. I'm so uh, excited about your persona and about your artistic work. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time of your schedule. So could you tell me my first question, and maybe it's everyone's question, uh, why the cow? Yeah, very good question. So, well, I mean, I, ha I was working on a, on a project about meat in 2016 and 17, um, which was like a project with dancers and musicians, where I was curious about our relationship to death um, mm -hmm. as a society, since I feel like we have pushed death so much to the outside of uh, visibility, like people die in hospitals or at home, especially in, like in Switzerland or Germany, like there is even like the mourning culture, it's, it's happening privately. And so I, I thought there is this very ambivalent relationship to death that it's absent and at the same time it's everywhere because we most people, I'd say, eat dead bodies every day. We sit on skin of dead animals. We dress with dead body parts of others. Um, but we just don't perceive it as that. So that was like my starting point with this whole relationship of uh, inquiring mm -hmm. relationships between humans and animals. And I realized very quickly for myself, like, oh, my God, there is like a whole field that our art world doesn't really seem to be very much invested in, even though there is so many like justice discourses that are happening, uh, which are extremely important, like inclusivity, diversity, which bodies are represented. But when it comes to non-human animals, they are completely absent of the discussion, or if they're present, they're more used like as a metaphor for human topics. Right. Um, and... Then I did this play. We had censorship issues. Two venues canceled the shows because of a scene where we did like a reenaction of an artificial insemination. Uh, okay. So okay. we had problems like that. And also I felt like it just didn't resonate that much with the program. You mean when you put it on stage? Yes. In a theater setting? Theater setting. I mean, it was not, a, it was human performance. It was not, mm -hmm. uh, no animals uh, that were inseminated. And the humans could give their consent to it. Uh, contrary to the, the animals who are not asked if they want to be impregnated or not. So um, when this happened, I felt like super frustrated with this kind of hypocrisy. It's like a venue that is serving milk to their audience in the, in the mm -hmm. bar cannot like stand the fact that like criticizing how this milk is even produced because without insemination, there is no milk. Cows only have milk when they're mm -hmm. having a baby. Mm -hmm. 
they're animals, like they're mammals. Like, yeah, which which they artificially get exactly. in the process of dairy production. So yeah. dairy means so they... every year they're impregnated and every year the baby is taken away and usually killed. And after four or five years, the mothers are so exhausted because of the overbreeding that they also get killed and transformed into burgers. Right. So having this knowledge... And I had it very late. I really thought cows just have milk like this. It just pours out of them because they're wonderful cows. Like I was from Switzerland. The yeah, the, yeah, there is a big culture in Switzerland for actually uh, some kind of admiration of cows, I would say. Yes, but also yeah, on the, every poster. It's everywhere. Like the Swiss milk, like this, they, they, had, they got a lot of subsidies from the government to like market milk as like a pure, innocent, natural product when actually it's a completely brutal dirty and toxic industry that makes humans mm -hmm. sick because of like cancer problems cholesterol and like so many health problems but also environmental problems and so i was fascinated by this kind of mythological self-image of the cow as like the connection to nature which was so far away from the reality where actually the like livestock industry is literally destroying our planet and our health and then I also found it very like interesting from a feminist point of view, um, because we have these discussions about like who has the right to control somebody else's reproductive organs, who can right. who can decide like to use a body or not, and we are very clear. So in it, case of cow, it's it's totally taken. Cows, yeah. but also the other animals with the chickens mm -hmm. as much with pigs. Like we literally use their reproductive systems to make money and. Um, create food also but it's like uh, in my eyes in, in my point of view it's not food it's violence mm -hmm. so from that point of view i was like okay i need to do something about it and i didn't know how <laughs> and mm -hmm. my inspiration came actually from drag artists drag kings and drag queens um, who i um, got to meet in san francisco i had a six-month artist scholarship from the city of zurich and they were so like on fire and like uh naming things directly like not doing like weird referencing no they were like trump was newly on power and they were just like right going on it against injustice against racism homophobia transphobia and there was like i was just in awe of their courage and was like okay i need to be able to speak like that when i speak up for animals rather than being always scared mm -hmm. oh i'm gonna be the annoying vegan nobody wants to hear that like yeah i stand for something and i have to dare to do it and so the idea came up of uh, being a drag cow. <laughs> have you been dragged before? Not really. I mean, I have done a lot of like cross-dressing as a little boy. Uh -huh. um, I mean, I loved playing with my sister, wearing women's clothes uh, all my childhood. And then I was doing like, uh, I was in a boys choir actually. And we always did like theater and sketch nights in the end. And there were, there were no girls. So I was always playing all the girls, the princesses, the witches, the mm -hmm. mothers, the, the, the chic lady, uh, whatever I was. So I, I would say I had like a, a predisposition to that, which was, mm -hmm. yeah, something I just enjoyed always. Um, but no, drag was new and it was like, it was and still is such an, a, a deep learning process because there is so many skills to know from makeup to making outfits to walking in heels to there it's a lot <laughs> so, so i imagine this this fascination comes from 
first of all for you from this idea of wanting to change something wanting to speak for the animals and actually you know not not being okay with with them being taken control of actually in a way right is this something yes it comes from a deep sense of like uh uncomfort with the state of the mm -hmm. world like once you connect with the reality of these billions and billions of animals who are in factory farms who are locked up in small cages in laboratories who are in fish farms like these conditions there yes once you connect to that it's really hard to just go back to daily life because the suffering is real i mean each of these individual animals that's their full life like it's it's from their moment they're born to the moment they're slaughtered that's what they experience and so it's not a side topic it's not something which is just like uh easily dismissed and i know that there is many other important struggles to lead but for me i felt like okay if i have a platform that was the struggle that you were connecting with at that moment yeah i was really like because i feel like these animals they are not listened to like they're screaming they're they're resisting like every single day in a, in a factory farm they are trying to survive and doing the best. Some animals even managed to escape or they, they, they recently I read a cow. She killed the farmer when he took her baby away in the dairy production oh, because she tried to defend okay. her baby. And so these animals resist, but their voices are not transported and we have a language problem. Like yes. we as humans don't understand. Don't speak cow. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I see my role in a way, like as an artist, also like as a, translator or as a storyteller because it's very hard for these animals to tell their own stories or even like if you go out to meet them in 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 their world we actually can get a lot of information like we see their suffering we see their joy we see what they are what is important to them mm -hmm. but we have to go there and it's outside of the city so like for people in the cities for people in the places where maybe the political decisions are made like how can we tell mm -hmm. the story of these animals so you think being an artist helps to tell the story because I'm, my question is like what can an artist do like okay we have those very sophisticated types of thinking you know in our profession like we are like talking about all this you know the justice and 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 maybe racism maybe gender maybe uh, exactly like you, in your case uh, animal rights and so on but my question is like what kind of change can we actually bring and have you been able to bring some change it's a really really good question the difficult one i would say because i have struggled with that a lot of times like feeling a bit unsatisfied with the impact of my work I do, like this first play i talked about the requiem for a piece of meat i spent mm -hmm. like i don't know one and a half years working on it and then in the end i was like did one single animal animal benefit from this or was Question. I was I just busy making choreography and stage designs and concepts and and yes it it did definitely make a difference because it has transformed me I wasn't vegan before that uh, it really transformed my my outlook half of our team changed their diets many changed back later okay. so it did start off of something that was beyond the artistic I would say where uh, mm -hmm. the intersection of like the the artistic and the activist and now I'm really trying in every project to kind of look at it from an artistic point of view and from an activist point of view. Um, 
and not get lost in aesthetical questions because they're interesting. I, I still love like making art, mm -hmm. but I also love when the art actually can save life. And one example I have, uh, I was invited to uh, perform for an exhibition in a, in a farm uh, where there was an art exhibition about humans and animals and how would the future of this relationship be. And they asked me to perform for the opening. And I was in a big dilemma because this farm produces eggs. So it means right. there is, uh, I don't know, there were like 350 chickens. And in egg productions, even in organic eggs, like all the chickens get killed after one year because uh, the eggs are less normed. They might be a bit too big or too small and then they cannot sell them anymore. Ah, and, I didn't uh, know about that. The egg rate goes down a little bit while they change their uh -huh. feathers. Once a year, they change their feathers. And in this period, they have less eggs. And then it's cheaper to just kill all of them and buy new ones than to feed them through these few weeks of, the, of, of this change. Which so is even insane. in organic farms? Yes. Even in organic yeah. farms? Okay. Even Demeter. That was a Demeter farm. So I was in this dilemma. Should I go there and kind of consent to this practice of like having all these chickens killed and people feel like even they do something great because they buy organic eggs. Um, and then I was like, but if I don't go, there is no conversation. There is nothing happening. So right. in the end, I demanded that I would only go if after my performance, there would be a talk with the farmer about egg farming. So people would actually learn these things because we don't know. I also didn't know before like reading all that stuff. Yes. Um, And I also uh, demanded that I could save at least three chicken and bring them to an animal sanctuary. And What's an animal sanctuary? An animal like... sanctuary is a place, it's like a farm that is um, not using animals. So it's a farm where okay. animals are coexisting with humans, but they're not there to serve as like, uh, they're not there to, to serve human interests. They can just live safely and happily. Usually it's animals saved from slaughterhouses or rescued from horrendous conditions. And there I could like, yeah, I could in the end send, uh, save 10 chickens. Seven went to mm -hmm. one specific farm, three to another one. And they could live while all the others, they got killed like two weeks later. So there my art kind of was also literally saving 10 lives. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was very touched to like be able to, to bring a stone into rolling And it's not always visible. We always, it's not like we always know what is the impact of what we do. But I want to make sure at least like every now and then, like does, is there actually happening the thing that I project to happen? And if not, I have to change my strategy. Right. Yeah, that, that makes uh, a lot of sense. I think like nowadays, for example, in our artistic production as well, we are also looking like, okay, can we, Can we travel somewhere where we actually go by train, you know, or, or instead of plane and so on? Like these kind of questions are very present, especially like now if you write a project and if you mention that you take care of environment, like it, it does resonate with people, especially like I think in our countries, like I'm in Austria, you're in Switzerland. I think it, this is where it matters. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's it, it's tricky. I mean, we are also like animals who need energy to live so we need food we need resources uh, and but like it's really important to question as artists are we part of the problem or part of the solution uh, yeah i think it, it's great that you 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 have this uh, how to say you have this 
story that you say like, i think i think from what i get from you is you know like you're doing the art maybe you're not directly not always directly saving life but because you're telling the story you maybe have a chance to influence someone and i think it's really important especially if you have a story like this to actually go to the places where people normally don't listen to those kind of stories and i think that's because it's like for example for me like if i would be talking about you know feminism or 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 i don't know different kinds of sexuality in in front of audience that normally goes to the theater that normally likes this kind of things they already convinced so if i make you know artwork that speaks to them like i'm not bringing any change but if i talk with my friends who don't do art and who don't have artistic interest and if i talk with them about you know points of view and show them things tell them the story this is maybe where you can actually change something Yes, I agree 100%. And, but even in the art world, for me, it has also yeah. before been always, I always like to go to topics where not one single opinion before I was doing a lot of projects about sex work. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's another field where like, it's also a question about like power, body, relationship. So it's very connected for me with animal rights in the sense of like, we have some morals that we think are justified and then we have discrimination, stigmatization and people or animals they literally like pay a huge price because other people just have opinion about something they don't really know so like doing work that is demanding sex worker rights and the destigmatization or decriminalization uh, has been a really important part of my artistic work before and also there like it's not maybe in switzerland a bit more than in other countries but like i was touring in let's say in france in a place where mm -hmm. Uh, some people put like um, stickers on the poster of the festival, uh, uh, sex and uh, prostitution equals rape. And they were talking uh, like this. And, and there was like huge protest about a show that talks about sex work in a positive way. So this, this, these are the places that I'm interested in. I think it's interesting to go to these like gray zones and not be too comfortable. Um, uh -huh. So, I'm still like terrified sometimes. Like that's why I also need Soya. I would say as a character, because she can, she can be much more demanding with an audience than me. If I if I would just come and like, fully tell people what I think, it would be like a bit obnoxious, you know. But doing it as this, this drag cow with a ton of makeup on the face, walking on hooves and these gigantic horns, it's like mm -hmm. people start to listen when otherwise they would just shut down. So it's something I feel is really helping me. And also she helps me to get courage or motivation when otherwise I would be like frustrated because things don't move quickly enough with the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis. Like, whoa, we need to, we need to move our asses. <laughs> yeah, biodiversity is a big one. I think for me, especially like I can relate to that maybe even the most because you might be experiencing some species as a child and then they're gone. Yeah. They're just gone. And and this idea that you can kill off everything, it's it's crazy, I find it. Especially with the fish mm. and all the sea animals. It's it's a, I think it's it's a very big thing that I think not a lot of people talk about. Yeah. And not think, a lot of yeah. people care because it's in the ocean. Mm. You know, like I can almost relate 
I can I can imagine people almost relating, you know, to the uh, to your topic, to the to the farming topic, because it's there and you can see the videos and pictures and so on. But for example, fish. I mean, fish yeah. in the deep sea. Who cares about fish in the deep sea? Yeah, but I think yeah, the amount of of like the beauty and diversity and ways of being in this world, like it's so abundant. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, yeah, it's 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 absolutely heartbreaking to connect with the fact that like the way we have lived as humans in the last I don't know two hundred fifty years and even before, like how much we have destroyed. It's yeah, and I think really it's time we need a new self image of humanity, like this idea of human dignity and humanism and like the human experience as like the the pinnacle of what is happening in the universe, you know, like there is so many other forms. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still watching animal documentaries and I'm just in awe about like what is going on. And also like as a queer artist, also like I love seeing queerness in animals, like seeing, okay. seeing okay. like two goats falling in love with each other, two like male goats <laughs> or like watching like, transgender fishes who change their gender at a certain point like there's mm -hmm. so much variety there's so much uh, giraffes are much more engaging in homosexual sexuality than in heterosexual sexuality that's the norm there is salamanders who have five different genders there's like they have different um, necks and different colors and they really have different social roles given their gender and it's just like the it's not this stereotypical um Noah's Ark idea with one male lion, one female <laughs> lion, and they wait and then they go into the ship and then there's the like it's so much more diverse. And we if we change the way we look at nature, like not as mm -hmm. this kind of way heteronormative and with the human as the, the top of the pyramid, like no, we are nature, we are part of it. We're not we're not outside of it. Like we are made of nature. We are all ending up in the same dirt as the animals. Like the energy, like the, the the energy and the material on this world, it's always the same. It's just circulating. Yeah, definitely. I love to watch David Attenborough, who, by the way, is a very big activist as well. Yes, I don't know if you saw this this one on Netflix. I forgot the title, but there is this whole series on Netflix where he's narrating. And it's really beautifully made. Uh, yeah, I will check it. I love that he yeah. also says in this film, like he's like, I have been one of these lucky ones because he got to yeah. travel the world before realizing, like, oh, this way of living is actually also harming. And that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, like we always think that what we do and our project is so important that it's more important than like slowing down. It's more important than the climate crisis. But we have to really question, like, do we need, like, how can we make art without, like, accumulating new shit? And like, I mean, as a drag queen, I mean, it's really a problem, you know, like, new looks, new this, new, and it's like, wait, that's not my point. So I have to find ways to reuse stuff, to borrow stuff, to, to like, really think about upcycling and recycling. And it's not so easy, actually, but it's, if we don't do it, who will? I have to say that uh, as a contemporary dance maker myself, I can totally relate to the whole idea of recycle, recycling everything you have, because I think, I mean, 
you are a starving artist after all. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I think I had so many costumes that just were going over different solo works, like no problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how it is in Switzerland, movie, but, but the same but, with the material, no? Even the, the, yeah. the, the, the material in the shows. And I think also like yeah. topics, like I've been, I did work before. Sometimes I was doing one project on one topic and then like next topic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is not sustainable work. I have basically no deep knowledge. I'm just like doing tourism in a, in something I haven't, yeah, I don't know anything about. I make a work, present it. Like it's, mm -hmm. I get it where it comes from, but it doesn't make sense. Like, like now with the question of animal rights, I've been in that for, what is it? Six years soon. And I mean, of course my knowledge and my depth is much bigger. I have more to share. I have more more to give and more to more expertise and so we need this slowness and staying with something it, even though it's like it's tricky and like maybe finding a new form for the same content and then reworking something i really think that's what we have to do rather than just creating content 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 that nobody wants to see because we mm -hmm. all create too much in the end yeah there is definitely this yes absolutely absolutely and but but it's almost like it's demanded from you because everything is just so quick you know with with the social media and just like the job market accelerating everyone cannot keep the same project the project's durations get shorter and shorter yeah. i remember when i started to work as a freelance dancer like there was a project taking three months to make and now three months to make it, it's, it's a very long time. Now it's usually production is like, what, three weeks, maybe five weeks. But but this is, uh, I think that everything is accelerating. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And then we do more projects because we, the, yeah, it's shorter. I, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. But of course, we are in a, such a complex logic where we have our economies we have our mm -hmm. our schedules the venues have their logics and their fears what it will be the money givers and the politics and the audience it's yeah that's politics we're going yeah. into politics that's very complicated realm. i mean i that's a good point i wanted to talk before about that like i have doubted a lot about like should i still do art or should i just do like politics or and mm -hmm. but the thing is like I don't see myself going to all these meetings, trying to wear like a suit. No, I'm exaggerating, but like, I, uh -huh. I like to dress up with a ton of makeup and and be this weird figure that people are like, what was that? You know, and that's my contribution because I'm alive doing that. I know I feel like that's it's not something I impose on myself because I think it's more efficient. It's it's self expression. And hopefully I have an impact, but I'm not going to, I don't want to instrumentalize my own life to reach a political goal because I don't want that we instrumentalize other animals. So why should I instrumentalize myself? Yeah. 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 It, it is a luxury though, in a way, like to be able to do, you know, what you love. I think in, in the society, I think, and being an artist, of course, it comes with all the struggles associated with it. Like, of course, it's difficult to survive. Of course, you're dependent on funding. You're dependent on your fan base. That's like the only way you survive. And you have to work often without being paid. But in the end, you have the luxury of doing what you love. 
So, Absolutely. And that's something that a lot of people give up. I have a beautiful story about that, actually, uh, because it's there's something about about like freedom and comfort. Mm -hmm. You know, these kind of two opposing forces negotiation with yourself. Uh, and I was visiting recently um, in Italy, actually, an animal sanctuary, also a place um, where, where they have rescued, I think, about 300 animals. There's cows, there's pigs, goats, llamas, uh, chickens, turkeys, geese, like dogs, like an, an amazing place. They all have a free area, huge area on a hill um, where they can just go wherever they want. There is no fences. The animals can interact however they want. And at some point, they told me, the, the founder, there is a wild pig who moved in. She came from the hill. Her name is Gina. She saw the other pigs living there, all the animals, and she was like, wow, that looks so cool. So she basically just <laughs> joined this community of animals as a wild animal. And first the other pigs kind of chased her away and didn't want her around and until she managed to kind of get accepted in the group and now she lives there. And why I tell this story, it's just like, I think in this, there is, there is a price for freedom <laughs> and mm -hmm. there is also a space, I hope, where we do have freedom, but also through community, we can have kind of both. We don't have to be in this kind of neoliberal working money-making machine where we have jobs that have no goal other than making people consume something they don't really need. We can kind of find in new communities, ways of existing where we do have freedom because this pig, she can leave whenever she wants. But the attraction of being at this place with these other animals is big enough. I mean, she also gets food for free. <laughs> but it it's works. It's a society. Yeah. <laughs> but it can work and, and it has to do with resources and, and solidarity and people donate money to this place so they can exist and show the world like what actual true coexistence between species can look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I think there is, there is a way to be useful as an artist. I think it's, you're not, like, if you're just doing it for yourself, it might be also beautiful. And there may be, it's, there is usefulness in not being useful at all as well, because yes. I think like, it's basically being able to, the op to oppose the, the societal, tendency towards dictatorship so i believe uh, totalitarianism in that case mm. and i think just just bringing in any kind of disorder is often in a mod in a moderation of course it's it's a positive thing but i also think that uh, an artist can have a function in society and i think storytelling is is definitely one of those functions yeah and, uh, and I think you don't have to be an expert even, but if you already make people think in a direction of a topic, it's already uh, a great value because people don't, I think people don't have often time to think, you know, because you chase, you know, job after job, like task after task, chore after chore. Mm -hmm. and, and like, I find myself like I outsource my thinking as well, but if I'm on the project, I, I feel like if I'm making my own work, I feel like at least through this, I'm learning new things. And at least through this, I'm able to do my research and actually read 
And, it's and it is, it's not only for me, but it's also for something, for something that I'm creating. And it's like extra motivation to actually educate myself. Yeah, it's a really, really beautiful way to put it. I, it resonates a lot with me, what you say like this. It's, and yeah, it's, 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 it's beautiful. And I think this, this, we have a lot of skills in the arts also like process wise or like dealing with restrictions maybe also make something happen in spite mm -hmm. of the mess and, the, and maybe we're also a bit magicians you know because we create like moments and beauty and and we need that i mean i guess we will need it even more with like I'm very pessimistic with the next few years. I mean, there's many reasons to be pessimistic, but we will, we will see so much conflict, so much like climate refugees, so much like things dissolving. And like, I think we need to be able to imagine like solidarity on a completely new level. And we have seen now with maybe a tiny glimpse, like unfortunately or fortunately with like the Ukrainian refugees, like be like, okay, mm -hmm. actually there is space and there is resources and there is openness. Yes. And we're going to need much more of that. And as being from Poland, I can say there is also a lot of tolerance as opposed to what they say, you know, in the West. And there is a lot of openness in, in Polish people who actually yeah. deal very beautifully with the crisis. So Incredible, uh, incredible. It's, yeah. I'm really proud of the people that, that are in Poland and actually help the refugees because I don't know if you know, but most of the care about the refugees, the very big majority of, of, you know, just taking care of their food and sleeping is, is done on a voluntary basis. Hmm. It's not from the state. It's in fact, I would say the state is not doing very well, but the people are. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's honestly like, I think yeah, that's that's. I mean, we have this capacity, you know, like we we are, we are able to give much more once we give up on some stuff we don't need. Like I don't know we are so addicted to our habits also sometimes, and when we have no mm -hmm. other choice, maybe then we can actually just give them up and have space for something else. Absolutely, including myself. I'm 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 completely part of these problems. You know, like it's it's seeing like getting stuck in patterns. We're like, wait, what? And then we get into this logic of like also like I don't know funding, and there's like okay, the funding system is like this, so I have to. Like, oh wait, what is actually the, the the core of like why do we do these things, or what what do we have to say? And yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Like thinking out, outside of the box, I think this is what, what makes maybe you an artist. Because I think if you <laughs> start to be part of the system too much, then you're just a part of the system. And then where is the creativity? Yeah, but it's even there. Like, I don't know, sometimes I, I, I wish I could choose topics that were easier. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, gosh. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you choose topics that are close to your heart. And yeah. I think this is... And I think... No, because you said you're pessimistic I'm sorry to hear that but like I myself like I also love to work with the topic of catastrophe you know end of the world like this is my favorite I don't know where it's coming from but this is where, where I find beauty and I don't know it's it's a bit perverted in this way but I don't know it, there is some there is some incredible beauty in in 
I don't know, decay, destruction, suffering. Not that I'm promote. I would mm. not like to be suffering to exist, but but somehow you said in the beginning, like to be closer to death. And I think for me, like art, doing art, especially doing art on stage is a little bit like death. Hmm. It's like, it's a little bit like dying. Because yes, you're losing control yeah. and you, you just are in front of the people you completely expose and like i think you sometimes can reach this moment of where like they say i don't know that i read it a lot of times they say like in the last moments be be before you die like the, your whole life comes in front of your eyes and i think this is a little bit what happens when you are really in the moment and i think on stage you are really in the moment and this can happen also like you suddenly have those thoughts you suddenly like consider everything you have done always you know <laughs> yes i don't know if you can relate to no i can <laughs> relate i can relate it i don't think it happens always in the performances yeah right? like it's sure. the, the bliss moments i would say but they definitely mm -hmm. do happen and I also terribly miss them during Corona. It's really like, mm -hmm. but then I I also feel like um, we also have this weird image of the of nature and harmony, which is also very wrong. You know, like uh, tell me. I'm trying to connect the two thoughts. I'm not fully clear yet about that. So. There is injustice in nature. There is definitely. injustice and cruelty and things are also very banal. Like, I know there is this, mm -hmm. this idea of like the art and the moment and the presence and death, you know, like the disaster. I, and then there is also like, yeah, the car drove over the mouse, the mouse is dead. You know, it's very, it's, there is mm -hmm. also this kind of uh, very pragmatic, simple, the show is over, it's gone, you know, like very, uh, there is also this side which I see where we, where we have to also accept the banality of our existence. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of banality. Yeah. Like, oh, I sweat, so I stink. Yes. You know, <laughs> and then we wash and then we, at some point, we, I mean, I've experienced some like very sad things or uh, traumas in, 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 in with losing, losing close people and, there is this moment, for example, when you you think the world is over and then at some point you have to decide to eat something because you're hungry. <laughs> and it's yeah. so absurd. It's like the world is falling apart and you, you think about eating something. <laughs> and, and and this 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 moment, I don't know, this this of tragedy meeting basic physical needs, meeting ridiculousness mm -hmm. and self-awareness i love these moments personally it's like it's it's there's something about them which i find very poetic and very true like that the things interesting are, yeah. so so it's just a kind of catharsis of banality yes <laughs> because yeah, exactly <laughs> the catharsis of banality and, and and it's mixed with it's mixed with also these 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 big ideas i'm very romantic in a way you know like i have this uh, mm -hmm. And Soya especially has this thing of like, Soya will really like change the world. You know, she will close down all slaughterhouses. She will, she will be this cow that is doing it. And then also she's just literally like a clown with, with glue on her eyes and, and smeared over makeup. And, and mm -hmm. so this, this coexistence of these two, yeah, 
the complete earnestness and absolute ridiculousness. For me, it helps yes. me to have like mission and lightness. Because if I don't have mm -hmm. the lightness, ugh, I become heavy for myself, you know, like <laughs> and for my surrounding. And if I don't have the mission, I find it a bit cynical. If you're only just only in the lightness, then it's like, hey. So, but how to balance and become like a virtuosic musician, let's say, between these two between these states. I mean, that's, I, I guess, I guess it's a lifelong conversation also. Yeah. I think it's a great advice for generally for the process of art making. And I think like if I was, if I was today coaching someone to make, you know, a new work in contemporary dance, for example, mm -hmm. like I would tell, I could, I could repeat what you just said, because it's, it's something about not taking yourself too seriously, but also being able to take yourself seriously when it really matters. And I think the balance between those two, like also like I'm I'm surrounded a lot by by those examples of those opposite pat opposite patterns. Like I know artists that work in complete seriousness, and I know they take themselves way too seriously, especially in the beginning of their career. Like this is you know, the most important artwork I've ever done. This is so important and so on. And I know also those artists that like, like you said, I think they're a little bit cynical and they just, they don't take anything seriously. And I think, and maybe even myself, I've been in both of those places, but I think the more I, the more I work, the more I realize like it does, it is important to, to allow for both. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's also important that we allow ourselves to maybe stop doing art at some point. Like I, I also, yes. I think it's really good to do something else. I mean, sometimes like now with the pandemic, I've seen people who got stuck in trying to postpone their dates and they were completely mm -hmm. in the same logic and other people, they just did something completely different. And mm -hmm. maybe now they go back to making art and they have just another experience that enriched them. And, and the pandemic was maybe just like a opportunity for that, but we can always like, reinvent who we are we don't have to stay artists we we don't have to stay anything and i think that's also something i find very liberating i always say that's my last project and then oh well there's not <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be my last one. oh that's a great great thing to say this is my last project and then again this is my <laughs> last project it's a great great point <laughs> i like this it's a, like a like a mind hack yeah, and then you do what you really like to do also, maybe, if it's your last one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Tell me tell me about uh, being drag. Like, I want to learn. Tell me tell me about your experience. Because you said you, you are coming to drag, not from drag, but from be, having the experience of creating theater shows, if I'm correct, performances. Yes. Yeah. And then you decided to, to do drag. So my question is, how do you become drag? What, 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 what steps do you take? What is the, <laughs> the preparation? And maybe they have so many questions, but like, I mean, drag there is for sure the physical preparation. There is a mental preparation. There are things that you have to learn to do. Tell me all about it. I mean, there is a long culture of like drag or forms of drag that are very different. There is there is drag, which is very much about like female impersonation, where it's about like mm -hmm. looking and acting or like having the habitus of like 
let's say a rich woman, for example, or like a fashion model or something like this, or like a pop star. But there is also a big history of like in Germany of a Politunten, of like uh, kind of trashy drag. You put a wig on and some makeup and uh, and then you go on the streets and demand uh, that the state intervenes and supports like people who have AIDS. You know, like there's this kind of... Okay. Of also like now I think we see the vis with the visibility of like RuPaul's Drag Race, this show, this TV show, and other like mainstream drag queens mostly still like who have huge success. It's a certain type of drag, I would say, but there is like people who do drag more like monsters. There, like there's many different scenes. Uh, a lot of it is organized, like I would say in families. So usually you need like a drag parent who helps you for your first experience and it's somebody who will a drag parent a drag mother or a drag father uh -huh. or a drag monster drag dragon who knows <laughs> you know? uh -huh. I, somebody recently asked me if she can be my drag calf <laughs> okay <laughs> so so you had some kind of mentor or coach so I like the first time was a very close friend of mine. Uh, her drag name is Mazi Mazeltov, and she put me into drag. It was before Soya. I, I was uh, mm -hmm. um, my name was Immanuela Kant, like the philosopher. <laughs> and um, so yeah, the first time we were just like talking about what kind of makeup I imagine, and then you'd really do this whole. I mean, the face transformation is the key, I would say, and then you add some clothes okay. and wigs. And ideally, you go out to the world. And if you're not, if you're scared, you just make a photo in in front of your bathroom mirror. <laughs> and and then, I mean, you have to learn all these different things. You start maybe acquiring some costume elements. You go thrift shopping, or you. I had the luck that a, a drag queen who stopped being a drag queen was like, "You can all my stuff here. Here you go." Um, I asked other drag queens or uh, for advice. Uh, you watch YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Um, I watched a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race also before doing drag myself, just because I think it's a great show, uh, showing queer people on mainstream TV in a very like a way that I find very attaching. Even though I think it's still a pity that it's uh, still only a certain representation of queer people mm -hmm. and queer experiences. Um, and then it's just a lot of learning, but also a lot of difference. Like I'm a musician, I'm a singer and a theater maker. So my drag, I'm not so interested in doing lip syncs, for example. I, that's not something I'm interested in. So I'm not doing it. I'm fine. You know, like there's different forms of, uh, uh, and, but then also like now I have to say also like, I wouldn't even say so much that Soya is really a drag queen or a drag cow. Soya is more like a, it's my alter ego, like a, it's a, a fantasy uh -huh. creature that uses a bit of drag, but also uses a bit of um, 80s pop uh, pop music or like, like Soya uses, um, so drag is an element, but I don't have to like, I'm not trying to pretend that I'm a, a woman. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm a cow because people still know I'm not. <laughs> yes. I just take some yes. signs. I have maybe like some signs that make it clear, okay, this is not somebody who is clearly a woman or a man, but somebody in between. And the same with the species. Like Soya is like a species-bending creature. Like there is mm -hmm. human elements, but there is cow elements. And, and so maybe can I ask you just quickly, what, what would what would differentiate like a drag character from 
any other kind of character. So, for example, if I look at Daft Punk performing in yeah. masks, that's a character. You know, Dead Mouse performing in masks, you know, or MF Doom, or any... A lot of musicians actually do that. But I wouldn't say MF Doom is drag. So I'm wondering, wh what is the part that makes it drag? I mean, for me, clearly, I would say a lot is to do the makeup. There's a certain mm -hmm. makeup style. Like, if I would just... Like I, I, I cover my eyebrows, for example, so that gives me more space to then draw these gigantic eyes, which is very typical when people see that they think, oh, drag. Um, okay. If I would like just, I don't know, put a thick uh, brown line here over my eyes or just have cow, some cow print on my face, but without like a drag makeup, then they would rather think, oh, it looks like somebody's children's birthday. You know, like it's, but they wouldn't associate like drag. Um, so I think it's like the style of makeup, it's also maybe the extravagance of the costumes, it's high heels, but nothing of this is compulsory. There's drag queens who don't wear high heels and great, there can still be amazing drag queens, you know, like, I don't think anything of this by itself is its own, uh, um, but what I love about drag is also this idea of reinventing the same character, but in different ways. So there is like... Uh -huh. Uh, for example, I have different headpieces. Some of them have very small horns and some of them, now I have a new one, which is like this gigantic, beautiful white horns. Um, I have not worn it yet in public because the show got postponed. <laughs> and, but they're variations of, of me as Daniel and Soya. That's like a spectrum as well. Sometimes I'm, I'm dressed as Soya, but I talk about myself as Daniel. And sometimes... Uh, I have a lot of like cow stuff. I have a cow print clothes. I have latex others between my legs, um, horns. So sometimes this is very present and sometimes it's much less. It's just like horns and the rest could be more like a, an alien goddess. <laughs> but a cow I alien see. goddess. <laughs> I see. Um, because like I, I read a little bit from your press uh, note on your website, on your wonderful website. Uh, and actually, at some point I got confused because when I hear you, like you refer to the Soya as she, but in the press note, it's it often written as he, he Daniel, and then he Daniel is Soya. But then Soya is she. So so I got really confused in this. So I'm wondering what is your stance here? It's a very good question also, because like the pronouns question in general, I think it's it's we, we are aware it's a sensitive topic. And um for many people it's really important because like they don't align with the pronouns that other people give them. And mm -hmm. and it just it creates like a a, a sensation of like not being seen and not being heard and i think that's why it's so important that we that we speak with the pronouns to people that work for them and for some people it's very sensitive and others don't care i have trans friends who are just like whatever you mm -hmm. can say she he them i don't care and for other people it's really important um for me i um in my personal journey with that i mean i, I was born in the 80s so i'm i like i think if i if i was born later I would probably have thought much more about my own gender identity, but I, uh, it was not really an option. Even being gay was already a bit like, Ugh. so mm -hmm. uh, I go by he as Daniel or by them also. That's fine. I'm, 
it doesn't hurt me when people like say talk about me as a man but i have other mm-hmm. people around me who like uh, if their dad says more my son then it's like oh, my son i'm not your son i'm your child you know it, it makes something and soya i use she her pronouns because she's a dairy cow i mean it mm-hmm. is uh, yeah that's that's it's logical a, it's, it's just how it is you know like a dairy cows are um i don't think they care so much about the pronouns they get but um <laughs> it's good to highlight the fact that it is also like the animal industries are extremely gendered and there's gendered violence like the male calves get killed all of them immediately the female calves become mothers and as soon as they're fertile and that's that's the logic i mean it's it's brutal and um so in that logic i think it's important to speak of soya as a female cow um mm-hmm. even though she's also like gender fluid <laughs> yeah i get it i get it okay so tell me what's the preparation to to be drag like wh- what do you do so let's say you have a you have a sh- performance w- what are the steps and how long does it take i mean it really depends which performance i do i have because i have mm-hmm. done soya for me is really like a, a, a multimedia practice that goes in many different contexts and media so i i did like record music i have music videos i did photo shoots but then of course i have a theater show which is a one woman show um there it's like a normal play just i have to add three and a half hours of getting into makeup and costume okay okay <laughs> so it's a bit longer and after you have to remove the makeup um if it's a concert i do a live concert depends sometimes i work with visuals so i we have like setup and i mean the technical aspects are always there but then always yeah you have to add like two and a half hours of time for the makeup so and two and a half hours is the extra drag ideally i would makeup say time. Yeah. okay i mean i can do it in less time I'm, I'm not the best makeup artist also like i had to really learn it it's not my passion i spent rather more time reading a book mm-hmm. or uh, i was working a lot in an animal sanctuary in switzerland as well i yeah then i cleaned the, the horse poo rather than practicing my makeup but that's me mm-hmm. like i i'm okay uh, i'm still i still want to learn i will learn but sometimes i work i work uh, collaboratively with makeup artists if it's like an important video shooting or something um so yeah no it just it takes a lot of time and then it depends if you also have fingernails and you have to add them and you have to you have to prepare the outfit of course much before i mean you you need to know what are you going to wear i have to pack my stuff that's a pain in the ass it's like so much like all the makeup stuff the costumes the horns the shoes this and that and then oh i also need clothes for daniel after the show (laughs) so it's like it's a lot of like carrying suitcases um it's complex in that sense because it's really like a second person. It's like having a child, you know, when, when you uh, have a parent, so you have to pack for mm-hmm. your child and for yourself. And then the child is crying while you have, <laughs> it's a bit like this. And, yeah. But uh, your child has a lot of clothes. Yes. True. <laughs> a lot of clothes, a lot of special needs. And then if you forget something, <laughs> it's hell. Like, I don't know. I'm somewhere backstage. And like, Oh no, I didn't bring my shaver. And like, Oh, Oh, and like these kind of things, it's a lot of these little things. If you forget one of them, then it's not good. And you're like, a, like you're safe for, for, for soya. I do. I don't even know why. To be honest. No, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's I a mean, question. I mean, cows have hair everywhere. Why do I shave? No, um, I kind of like the transformation more personally. Okay. I think that's why I do it. Um, 
just also because it's already so confusing as a project, like cow and drag and this and that. And then like with the beard, it's maybe one layer too much. It's mm -hmm. an assumption. I'm not even sure. I just do it, even though it gives me pimples like hell after shaving and then the, mm -hmm. the makeup, you know, like it's, you know, the price of drag is, is very high. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Tell me, I, I'm, I'm curious. What's the price of drag? Because I think I imagine like walking on heels. I never walked on heels, so I have no clue. But I've I mean, been doing a lot of so... ballet. And oh, that's okay. Already... Yeah, nice. yeah. So you know how to be terrible with your body. It's the city. <laughs> You just push through, you know, it's a bit the same mentality. Like your feet hurt, shut up okay. and do it, you know. It's, like, it's the similar mentality. Um, and you pretend everything is fine. Exactly. But you also, with the time, you find out which kind of shoes work for you. Not okay. all heels are the same. Some heels work for a live performance, some work only for a photo shoot. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And... Um, wait, what is... Ah, the price. I mean, the price there is like... Of course, it's like the, the most complex for me is like it has been three and a half years that I have been or like four years since I started with the idea. And it's like basically having a split personality. It's really it's really weird. Like if I'm going to, a, yeah, I, I mean, I try to buy everything in thrift stores that I wear or borrow stuff even better. But I'm there and I, I kind of have to decide if I look for stuff for myself or for Soya. And I cannot do both. Like my brain has to... Mm -hmm. it's, And it's it's she takes up a lot of space in like my house, but also in my thoughts. It's like it's like having like I have a, my partner. He's really something like I need a break of soya. She takes too much space, you know, as this third person in this relationship. <laughs> Whoa! So it's okay. good to get breaks. It's good to get breaks sometimes where I'm just like I'm myself. Uh, I'm doing a holiday, so yeah, you're in your cupboard for three weeks. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I get it. I get it. No, but it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful for me. Like as a, I think a performer, it's it's always interesting to assume other characters, and I think to be able to live as a car as a character, it's it's a it's a, an art of itself. I think it's the first time I'm doing it. Also, I mean, not fully actually. No, it's I. I I had one show which was kind of auto-fiction uh, called Traumboy about sex work, which was a character that was very similar to me, but it was not me. And mm -hmm. I, I did this show for like seven years. So mm -hmm. this character has also been kind of like living a bit like next to me and I forgot about it. And then I had another show. It was like, oh, wow, it still works. I was always surprised that the show still worked. Now I did one after, yeah, almost seven years after the premiere and the audience loved this character they really fell in love with this character and even me i was like oh i like this character and uh so i had this experience in a way but soya of course is more it's even more intense it's just like because the extravagance it takes also more space in my head and it's more preparations it's more it's um but also such a variety of opportunity i'm really grateful for like uh I can do like one-on-one -on -one artist walks. I do concerts. I do protests in front of a few thousand people. And I did a, the voice of Germany in Soya the Cow. Like I just have a variety of completely different experiences in the art context, in, in mm -hmm. for a climate NGO. Like it's, it's really enriching to be more agile than like with a show that has to happen in a black box with a certain stage design. And Yeah, this is bring, something uh, actually... 
I wanted to ask you, but you already answered, but I still ask you, <laughs> is uh, basically who is your audience and, and, and who, 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 is, who, who wants to see it? And, and maybe another question is like, how do you make even more people want to see it? Because it's always our question here in the podcast, yeah. like how do you make more people s attracted to what you're doing? I think I have very different audiences. So some of them are context related. So if I'm in, in a contemporary theater, then it's more the audience of this venue who will come. But for I did a, a concert also on animal sanctuaries, for example. And then it's more the community of this place that comes, which is uh, people who already care about animals. If I'm on a big protest, uh, yeah, for like uh, climate justice and like, it's amazing because I have like hundreds of people like, yeah, because they're convinced already or many of them already. And uh, whereas I tried performing in nightclubs for like more like queer parties and mm -hmm. I'm like, this doesn't work that much because it's not the best context. People don't want to hear about slaughterhouses oh, yeah. when they just want to party. <laughs> I see, I see. So it's, it's And I true. imagine a lot of them also eat meat. Of I course. Imagine. I mean, everywhere is like this, but some pe sometimes people have availability to question uh -huh. and sometimes not. And if you go to a specific show in a theater about this topic, even though you might eat meat, you enter a space of like self-reflection consciously. But if you're just in a bar and then you expect drag and then there's this cow coming telling you like, no, I mean, this it's more tricky. Mm -hmm. I still did it sometimes. So there's all these different audiences. Um on social media, I'm trying to also work quite a lot online, especially with the pandemics, but because also reaching more people, I think there my community is a lot of like vegan people, but also a lot of like artsy queers who like the project, even though they don't, they do eat meat, let's say, but they're still kind of, ooh, and then, mm -hmm. yeah, something like this, I would say. That's great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, maybe the last the last thing here is uh, I, I want to try something different to all the other podcasts that I've been doing. And that is I'm trying out a format and I'm trying out a format that maybe a little bit. Uh, it still needs a little bit of development, but but I would love to ask you uh, your relationship to like the common myths about the profession that you're in or about the artistic profession that you're in because i imagine like being an artist is such a uh, and especially being such a specific artist is very foreign to a lot of people so i imagine if someone is listening who doesn't really know so much about drag they probably have those questions and I wonder what are your rela relationship to those questions are. They're not my questions. I found that I found them on Huffington Post, not the best website. But let's let me just. These are the common. Apparently, according to them, these are the common myths to uh, being a drag. So I'm wondering ah, about okay. your your relationship to this. Okay, the first one says all drag queens are gay. What do you think? Definitely not. There is uh, there is much more variety than that. There is, first of all, bisexual drag queens or heterosexual mm -hmm. drag queens, but also not all drag queens are men. There is non-binary performance or, or women who are performers and uh, doing drag. And 
it doesn't matter like who they have sex with or who they are falling in love with. Uh, there is much more variety to that. Another questions, which I really like, and maybe I'm just choosing those that I <laughs> that I like myself. All drag queens are bitchy. How about oh, that? Yeah, that's also kind of this stereotype. I personally, I'm like, I hate when people pretend to be cool. Mm -hmm. I think we okay. have so much suffering and pain and isolation in this world. So being cool is the opposite of what I stand for. I want us to be warm and caring. So bitchiness, I think, is really outdated. We can we can be like drag queens are mm -hmm. also working a lot in collaboration. They're not bitchy. Like you cannot do that alone. You always have a team. I mean, you can't. Yeah, Most, it's, so the, it's, it's a family kind of feeling. Exactly. I would it's a lot of family work and like... I think the bitchiness, it can be fun. Like there's shadiness. You can be like lovingly. What's the shadiness? It's more like lovingly telling your friend that maybe they should take a shower. <laughs> like <the, laughs> <laughs> but if you formulate it in a, in like in a funny, nice way or like as a, as a compliment or uh, it, it's like a humorous way to be like a mirror yeah. to the other, let's say like that. Okay, maybe the, the last one. Um, okay, this one is controversial. Let's do it. A drag queen is less of a man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real man. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I think this really plays into stereotypes. No, but I mean, the interesting thing is, I think like it takes balls to be mm -hmm. exposed no matter like or, yeah in a, in a in a dance performance or as a musician or as a drag king or drag queen um so like if let's say as a, a, a male person does drag because again there is a lot of women who do drag or non binary people who do drag but if it's a man doing drag it takes balls it's it's a discovery it's a journey and you're also like really visible and especially if you're like out in in the city or in a, in a in a venue like the reactions it's crazy it's like it, it, it it's uh it's uh yeah i find it hot also when guys can allow their like not only like uh, masculine sides to be expressed no it's hot if people can like express their whole spectrum of who they are mm -hmm. yeah i can totally relate to that i think i've been always you know i'm a hetero guy but i've always been very interested in actually being fragile and and i think this kind of stereotypical masculinity is <sighs> it's also nice there is something nice in it but i think especially as an artist but also as a human being it's, it's good to be experiencing all the spectrum of things yeah come on hey, i'm sad for people who are like so disconnected from everything because uh, i don't know so afraid of looking good or looking bad it's just like Give yourself a break and go out there and experience everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, there is more, but let's leave it for now. I'm curious, like, if you're listening to this podcast, and especially if you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment if you like this format, because maybe we can continue over the next episode. So, Daniel, last questions I, ha I have for you. If you had an advice to someone who wants to be doing something that you are doing so maybe a beginner artist or someone who who is in, interested in, in exploring creativity or culture I'm, I'm wondering what would be your advice 
my advice would be to really listen to what they're passionate about. Like if you're into gardening, then follow gardening and do something about that. If you're into uh, nail polish, like work around nail polish. Like there is, there is, I think the most important thing is like, yeah, that you connect with your passion where your energy leads you. That's the path to go, not where you think other people expect you to go. And that's also where you have something to say and to share. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. So thank you for this conversation. Daniel, I wanted to tell you because I didn't manage to tell you within this conversation that I really like your music and music videos. I think they're spectacular. I Thank you. If someone wants to check them out, they're on YouTube or probably somewhere else, but I saw them on YouTube. Yeah, music is also on Spotify and all mm -hmm. other different platforms. And yeah, the music videos are on YouTube. And yeah, it's worth to follow on Instagram if you want to just follow my activities. I'm going to be on a US tour very soon, like traveling mm -hmm. to Texas and get beaten up by cowboys. <laughs> Texas or Austin, Texas? Uh, no, actually Houston. And then we do, also, I mean, not only Texas, it's a bigger US uh -huh. tour actually, but like including like road trips to the countryside, <laughs> to all, cattle wow. ranches that became now animal sanctuaries and stuff like this. And oh, I do an wonderful. exhibition. And, yeah, no, I'm excited. Wow. Well, that's amazing. I'm so jealous of your experience right now, but <laughs> jealous in a good way. That's, uh, it's it's amazing. But then again, like shaving every day, makeup over it. I'm going okay, okay, to jealous. be busted. I'm going to be exhausted <laughs> with my 17 suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. this and more you can see on soyadecow.com as well as daniel's all social media channels so facebook instagram and twitter soya the cow and uh, please check him out he's a very interesting person and i really enjoyed this conversation thank Same you so for much me. thank you so much for having me <laughs> and if you like this podcast do not forget to click the like and subscribe this helps us this is the only payment we want from you thank you so much mm -hmm.